Lord, uh, as we come to your word, we know that we can't, we can try and make heads or tails of it, and sometimes we do, and sometimes God, it's plain and easy to do that, but Lord, we ask as we come to your word that you would be the one who just, we're coming to you, and we ask that you would minister to us in it, and by your spirit, you would guide us and direct us, and uh, give us wisdom, Lord, we need it, we are not wise, and God, you say if we think we're wise in our own eyes, we're fools, and I think that's pretty evident the way we see certain people go about their lives, Lord. We need wisdom and we need counsel and it's good to seek it. And first and foremost, we want to get it from you. So do that, we pray. And again, be with uh, our friends and our family who are in need tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll be picking up in Proverbs chapter 4. And again, this is not something that I directly prepared for, but uh, I love Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I'm by no means a wise sage on the book, but it's got so much wisdom in it. And I think sometimes we shun that uh, because sometimes it feels like maybe it's too simple um, or maybe it's not applicable, but isn't life hard? <laughs> isn't life impossibly hard sometimes? And even when we think it's easy, sometimes uh, we realize after the fact that it wasn't so easy. I don't know if you've ever been kept up at night by a memory of something you did years ago and you go, why was I so foolish? Or even something you did early in the day and you go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? How did I miss that? It was right in front of me the whole time. Um, and I think God gives us wisdom in part um, because he's wise, but to make our lives easier. They're hard enough already. I think if we just spend a little bit of time seeking God's wisdom and God's counsel throughout the whole scripture, our days can be a little bit easier. And I tell you, it gets easier when you realize you're not so wise. And sometimes the answer is a lot simpler than we think it is. And I think Proverbs seeks to give us that. And just a reminder, Solomon wrote most of these. Um, and Solomon, when Solomon was anointed king, he could have asked for anything. Uh, but instead, he said, God, give me wisdom. And I don't think Solomon was a dumb guy. I don't think he had a low IQ. He obviously had a very, uh, you know, wise dad. And some of the things David did were wise. So I don't think it was out of his lack. But he saw that, like that scripture said, who is worthy, who is capable, who is sufficient for these things? None of us are. We didn't make the world. So like God said to Job, um, you know, were you there when I founded the world, Job? Were you there when I made the oceans and the universe? And Job finally realizes, no, Lord, I wasn't there. I'm sorry. And it's, you know, it's been said, uh, you know, I maybe have been born at night, but I wasn't born yesterday. But I think literally all of us have been born yesterday in comparison to God in the world. And Solomon asked for wisdom to rule the kingdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I will not only make you wise, but I will give you all the other things that every other king looks for. Wealth, money, power, prestige. So in that, let's turn to Proverbs and we'll see how far we can get through. And uh, hopefully we walk out of here a little bit wiser. Uh, but my kids aren't to walk out of here tonight. It's dinner time after. Yes, I'm hungry. <laughs> all right, Proverbs chapter four. And I think it's fitting that the title of the, uh, the section in my Bible says, Wisdom is Supreme. It says, Hear, O children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give, give you good precepts, 
and do not forsake my teaching. You know, how easy it is to forget what our parents tell us. And Solomon's saying, listen, like Dr. Stanley says, listen, listen. So let's not forsake. Let's not turn away from good teaching uh, and the good precepts. But for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Again, the heart is the issue of so many things. If our heart would retain wisdom, we'd be, we'd be in a good place, Solomon's telling us. It says, get wisdom, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do we get it? You know, sometimes you tell a joke and not everybody gets it and you have to explain it. And you're like, I knew that was funny. Maybe they weren't listening. Maybe it wasn't funny. Maybe it's too complicated. But do we also get it? Do we seek it? You know, when we run out of, I run out of soda. And I, I drink coffee from time to time, as you know. But soda is my main sustenance for caffeine. If I run out of soda, I get soda. If I don't feel like going to the store, I will go to the store to get soda. I'm almost at the point where I don't want to get soda because of inflation and the market and the prices that a bottle of soda is now. I keep thinking maybe I sh- maybe it'd be wiser for me to get rid of it. But on the on the other hand, I get it because I need it and I need the caffeine and I'm I'm addicted probably to it. But is that the same with wisdom? When we're faced with a situation that we don't know how to do, do we get wisdom? You know, it's been said that men tend to throw out the instructions when they get something. Maybe it's because I was raised with so many Legos, Mom, but I like to look for the instructions. And sometimes I forge ahead without them. And usually it, it, it ends in disaster. So do we get wisdom? Do we look for instruction? Do we seek it? Do we do everything we can in our power to get it? Or do we just say, ah, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I mean, maybe it doesn't really matter for the simple things in life. I can remember my dad trying to hook up the Nintendo when I was little. I kept saying, Dad, I know how to do it. Dad, I know how to do it. Dad, those wires go there. And he just took him hours. He didn't listen to me. He was doing <laughs> He's just not technologically inclined, and that's okay. Um, and so he just gives up on trying to plug in the Nintendo. But I knew how to do it because I had seen it done before. I had looked. I had seen my friends. And when wisdom comes knocking, do we listen? Are we willing to take it from a source that maybe we don't consider to be wise? Uh, well, I would think that Solomon, one of the most powerful men in all history, even in secular history, would recognize him. Do we listen to him when he speaks? Do we listen to God when he speaks? He says in verse 5, Do not forget it, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. You know, it's one thing to get it, but do we forget it? You know, it's not that uh, old rotisserie chicken said it and forget it. When we get wisdom, let's not forget it. it says, he says, do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Again, wisdom is being compared to a woman, a feminine thing. Wisdom might kind of like be, be like that. Wisdom doesn't always beat you over the head. Maybe when you do something wrong, wisdom will get the frying pan and hit you over the head with it. Say, what were you doing? But wisdom... Wisdom sometimes is gentle. Sometimes it's, it's overlooked. It says, love her and she will keep you. If you love wisdom, nothing bad is going to happen in that sense. Because if you're going to love wisdom and do things that are wise and love being wise and love seeking wisdom and love practicing wisdom, 
how can you go wrong? Right? Like, if it's wise, it's going to be good. If you do it, how is it not going to be good for you? Wisdom is principle. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, don't we do a lot of getting, a lot of shopping, a lot of Walmart orders, 372 things in your cart? But is wisdom number one? What's the first thing that we go out and buy? Is it the wise thing? Do we buy the things we need first or we do get the Oreo cookies and the ice cream? <laughs> or do we buy the toothpaste? What's the, what, what's, where does our heart lean in that? But he says, exalt her and she will promote you. You know, at work, the people that get promoted, sometimes the people that get promoted aren't wise. But if they're wise and you're wise in what you do, you know how to do the job, you know what to do, you will get promoted. It will put you further in life. You will level up in life if you act wise and pr do wisdom. If you take care of the little things, if you're faithful in, uh, in the little things and don't despise the day of little things, well, you'll get bigger things. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. You know, you're not going to find much real honor, true honor, lasting honor, if you're a fool. People... Wise people don't like fools, and even fools, in a sense, don't like fools. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. True wisdom, the Bible says, the thing we mentioned last time, comes down from above. That God will put, true wisdom is from heaven, is from God, and will give us eternal reward. We can have grace and we can have glory in this life for being wise. Right, But if you're truly wise, you're going to seek the things of God. And when you seek the things of God, there's eternal reward there. And nothing is more wise than seeking things of eternity. Putting your treasure, as Jesus would say, in a place where wrath and wrath, moth and rust cannot destroy. In a crown of glory. Who doesn't want to find grace with God? Who doesn't want to find favor with other people? Who doesn't want to get things you don't deserve in life? Who wants to be rewarded in life? Well, cling to wisdom. Verse 10, hear my son and receive my sayings. Can you picture David saying this to Solomon? Solomon saying this to one of, one of his kids. Hear my son and receive my sayings. The years of your life will be many. Doesn't Exodus teach us in the Ten Commandments that if we obey our father and mother, in them will be long life? Years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the ways of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. I hope I can say that as a dad, that I've led my kids in the ways of wisdom and in the right paths. That I set them up for success from being young, that they don't have to go through the same and make the same foolish mistakes I made. I think it's one of the benefits of being a child is being able to learn from your parents' mistakes and hopefully come away with that. And that's something to be ashamed of as a parent in one way. And in some ways it kind of is, but in other ways if you can use that to teach your children uh, how not to do life, they'll be in a better place. He says, verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let her go. Keep her for she is your life. That we have to take firm hold of instruction. I've showed my kids how to make paper airplanes several times. I don't know if Mia remembers. I know Jake doesn't remember. Uh, and he wants me to show him again. I'm fine with that. I can't wait to show him again. Um, we just didn't have time the other night when he asked. But 
in order for him to learn, he's got to do more than just watch me do it. He's got to start doing it himself. Because if he starts doing it himself, then he'll never forget. The same thing when my dad taught me how to make paper airplanes. I can still remember he had these yellow legal pads. I don't know if you remember mom. Dad always had those legal pads. Um, and he would rip out the page and he showed me how he fold it and do the long ways and the short ways. And he showed me and then I learned. But I remember doing it over and over and over in the next few days. And it's stuck with me. And that's the same thing with wisdom. We have to take hold of it. Otherwise, we're going to forget it. You know, there's skills in life that are called perishable skills. You know, riding a bike is not one of them. Once you've learned how to ride a bike, you can probably get on a bike and ride a bike again. But there's other things, um, you know, the only thing that comes to my mind because I think it was like firearms, right? Shooting a gun is a perishable skill. If, if you practice and you keep practicing, you'll stay good and get good. But if you stop doing it for a while, it's, you have to start remembering all the fundamentals and basics again. And I think that's sort of the way the Lord reminded the Lord designed that one because we're not going to need to know how to shoot a gun in heaven. We're going to turn our swords into plowshares. But for now, it's something you kind of have to practice. Uh, and I think that's the same thing with wisdom. If we don't practice it, if we don't put it into practice, if we don't hang on to it, if we don't remember it, we don't write it down, um, you know, uh, we're going to forget it. And we might remember it in times of ease, but in a time of stress, it's going to go out the window. And when do we need wisdom the most? Well, the time of stress. When do we need instruction the most? When do we need to know, you know, the best way to drive is, well, when we're about to get in an accident. It's about to swerve. It's to know the limits of your vehicle and things of that nature. But he says, she is your life. I think sometimes we don't think wisdom is our life. Instruction is our life. We think that other things are, but wisdom should be the principal thing. He says, verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not go in the way of evil Men, you think that would be obvious. You know, there's two paths in front of you. There's a path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. Well, it should be obvious. I'm not going to go down the path of the wicked. The path of the wicked is evil. It ends in destruction. Well, the path of the wicked is also shiny. also looks good. It also promises, like that fruit in the garden, everything you want. And in order to know the difference, we have to have discernment, like we talked about. What's the difference between good and evil? Don't go the way of evil men. That we can't take fire into our lap, as it'll say, and, and not get burned. We can't, we can't do those things and expect them to turn out. You know, uh, That's foolishness, right? If we keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, we can't keep going down a wicked path and expect righteousness to be at the end of it. He says, avoid it. Do not travel on it. He says, get wisdom, get instruction, and then the, first, the next thing he tells his son is, don't go the way of evil people. So the next wise thing to do after you know what wisdom is and after you start seeking it is, is stop hanging out with evil people. The Bible says that evil company corrupts good morals. Don't hang out with them. Uh, you know, uh, the beginning of Psalms says, you know, don't sit in those paths. Don't go in those ways. Turn from it and pass on. Get off the exit. Pull a legal U-turn. Whatever you got to do, get out of there. It doesn't matter what they say. Don't go that way. Why? Because they do not sleep, verse 16, unless they have done mischief. Their day is not complete unless they've done something wrong. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause someone to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Right? That they like to hurt other people. They like to do things that benefit them. And it's always at the expense of someone else. Verse 18, but the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. 
you know, the perfect day when Jesus comes back, if we would look to the right way, it's like a shining light, a beacon of hope. And as things get more evil, the path of the, the wise gets brighter. And the way of wicked is as darkness. They do not know at what they stumble. And that's the worst part about being a fool is not realizing you're a fool. I don't know how long, and I still do it, you know, because, you know, yesterday in the car, Mima and I are coming home from uh, the airport. We're both convinced that the raised rail transportation system at Dallas Fort Worth Airport is named something different. And we're both totally convinced we're ready to make a bet. It was close. We, we almost both lost a lot of money. Because it was named something different. She thought it was Skylander. I thought it was Skytrain. And what was it? Skylink. Right? And both of us were fully convinced in our own minds that we were right. We weren't. And that's foolishness. I'm not saying my mother-in-law is a fool. It would be foolish to say that. It would be foolish to think that. Especially when I'm within hitting distance. But sincerely... Is that not how we are in things that are actually foolish? We think we're doing the right thing. We think we're going the way. We think it can happen to us. It won't happen to us. It'll happen to someone else. I'm better than that. I'm smarter than that. No. Pride comes before a fall, right? They do not know that they stumble. It's, the word is a light unto our path, right? Verse 20, my son or my daughters, attend unto my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes right so not only does he write them down not i mean not only does he say them but they're written down somewhere that's part of the reason why i'm recording this is i want my kids to hear at least hopefully at least just their dad reading proverbs whether he gets something right it is different but we should do that right we should write ourselves sticky notes we should highlight things in the bible that stand out to us, verses that the Lord gives us, things that instruct us. Hang, you know, we were singing that song, me and my house, we serve the Lord, you know, write it on every wall. We should have scriptures on every wall. Why? Because we're inclined to forget them. And if we're inclined to forget them, we should look at them, we should see them, at least they'll be wrote, whether we, we remember them when the time comes or not, at least give ourselves a better shot at it. For they are life to those, keep them in the midst of your heart. Again, Heart issue. Wisdom needs to be embedded into your heart. Why? Because your heart is not wise to begin with. And for uh, they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. You know, it, it has benefits, even just practical benefits. Keep your heart with all diligence. This is big. This is big. This is not highlighted in this Bible because I don't know why, but it should be. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. A lot of people say, follow your heart. And people say their whole heart or let anything into their heart or just tell people that they love them right away. Keep, no, no. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Our heart likes to soak things up that we're exposed to. Soak up things that people say, that people do, that we're, we look at, we think about. You know, that's why advertising works so well. That's why they do certain things in advertising because they get your attention, you begin to look and it begins to soak into your heart and then you begin to like it, feel it, want it. That's why education is not about education anymore. It's about indoctrination because if they can infect someone's heart with the things that they're infecting it with, they've got them. Their, their life, 
will begin to espouse it. Why have all these things begun to become popular, good and bad? It's because we've been soaking in it as a society. We begin to soak in it. Our heart begins to think, oh, maybe I'm like that. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I should do that. I mean, we've all went, you know, at least several of us in this room and on the call have been in school and high school and felt that peer pressure, let alone other things. But out of it are the issues like keep your heart with all diligence. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left and remove your foot from evil. There's another scripture that says, you know, uh, you'll hear a still small voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And not to turn to the right or left. Remember my mom making me something like that and having a little picture like that as a kid. And I've always remembered that. It's always been special to me. It's been put in my heart. Again, like we talked about, it was wise to do that. It was wise for my mom to do it. It was wise to have it in front of a, a child to see that. But it says, put away from you deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. I was saw something the other day about slang and how slang catches on. And first time you hear it, you might go, oh, that's so silly or so foolish. And you kind of hate it. These young whippersnappers in their slang. And then you start saying it because you think it's funny to say it. You think there's something to it. And then you start saying it more and more, and it starts becoming something that you normally would say. Right? It follows this path down the line. And so if we have a, a mouth that lies, it's going to get us in trouble in a lot of ways. It's going to catch up with us eventually. But the more you lie, the more you're going to do it. Right? So get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's not wise. It's not good. You think it's a lot of people lie because they think it's going to help them. It's not going to help you. It's foolish. It's not wise. Put perverse lips. Don't say weird things. Off put jokes like, uh, what is it? Uh, Ephesians or is it Ephesians? It says, um, um, you know, don't let any, uh, any unclean thing come out of your lips. Right? It's like put away, put off foul language. Right? Don't, it's not just the four-letter words, but it's saying jokes that just aren't appropriate, right? They'll, the more you say it, the more it gets embedded in you. He says, let your eyes look right on, your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. You know, it's one thing to kind of walk straight forward when you know where you're going, or if you're on, I don't know, if you're on a moving walk in the airport, there's only one way to go. You're not going to trip on anything, you just keep going. You know, when we went to... Silverwood theme park and the kids got to drive these little cars and it's like a big ATV but it looks like a 1920s car and they can steer and they can hit the gas and let go of the gas but in the middle of the road is a metal bar and the car can't go too far left or too far right so there's not any real danger right you could bump into someone in front of you but the parent someone old and responsible is supposed to be in the car to stop them from doing that but they can turn a little bit, they can turn a little bit, and they're basically going to stay on the right path. They don't need to worry about potholes. They don't need to worry about intersections. They don't need to worry about bad drivers or drunk drivers, any of that. They can just go and have a good time and, you know, live life. But the real world is not like that. If you've driven in New Jersey or Florida, you know the real roads are not like that. You have to pay attention. 
You have to watch out for potholes. You have to watch out for Jersey drivers, New York drivers, Connecticut drivers, Pennsylvania drivers, Maryland drivers. They all drive different. So if we're driving, right, and I know it says look straight before you, we should be paying attention. My, I, I would love my mom would always window shop when we'd be in downtown Ramsey as a kid. Like, Mom, watch the road. <laughs> She's like, oh, look at that nice hat. <laughs> right? When we're driving, we, we, we should notice the hat because we're looking around, but we need to get our eyes back on the road in front of us. We should ponder the path of our feet. Where am I going in life? What am I doing? You know, I'm 41, so I'm in the midst of a midlife crisis that's been going on since I was 25. So <laughs> it'll probably go on until I'm done. But I'm pondering the path of my feet. You know, Ash and I were talking, what are, what are we doing with our lives? How, are we serving the Lord? What would the Lord have us do in our lives? Am I just going through the day-to-day? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm still going to church. I still love the Lord. But what am I doing? Is this the wisest thing I can do with my time? Even with that. Am I going to sit around and watch TV all night? Well, sometimes. But I'm also going to, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of car shows. I've watched a lot of home improvement shows. But I've started to do things and fix cars and fix the house that put into practice. Do we ponder the path of our feet or we just walk around meandering through life? You know, that bumper sticker says, not all who wander are lost. Okay, well, it's okay if you're meandering when you're lost because you're lost. You don't know where you're going. You're at least trying to find your way. When someone's lost, they know they're lost and trying to find their way. But if someone says that, well, what hope is there? You're meandering and you don't care and you don't care to think about where you're going. Well, you're still going to end up somewhere and you're going to end up somewhere maybe even worse than someone who is lost and cares about being lost. So ponder the ways of our feet. Do not turn to the left or the right. Remove your foot from evil. So when we know the right way to go, when we know the right thing to do, don't depart from it. Don't go off that path to the left. Oh, that looks good down there and get sidetracked, right? So easy to get sidetracked in all things in life. And that's what the enemy wants to do. If you can get a sidetrack by one little thing, oh, it's just a little thing. Pretty soon, that's a big thing. Remove your foot from evil. So when you realize you've stepped in poo in life, take your foot out of it. You know, we got chickens the other day. I would love them for them to free range in the pasture, but I don't want them free ranging in the front yard or the backyard because then I'm going to bring in that stuff into the house. So I want to remove my foot from evil. But if once we realize we've stepped in evil... Get out of it. Get out of it. Let's go on. The next three chapters, five, um, five really talks about it, and then six and seven talk about it a lot. Um, there's some other stuff thrown in there. But it's all about marriage and relationships, and there's some hard things in here. But it says, My son, attend to wisdom, my wisdom. And bow your ear to my understanding. And I, I can't wait for high school when, and teenage years when kids really start to turn and try and lean on their own wisdom and their own understanding. I'm like, my son, listen to my wisdom. I've been there. Not your wisdom. Listen to my wisdom. I've been there before. I've done that before. Bow your ear to my understanding that you may regard discretion. You have to regard it. You have to hold on to it. Discreet. And that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman or an immoral man drip as honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold of Sheol, she does not ponder the path of life. And what did we just talk about? 
Her ways are unstable and she does not know it. Again, there's this comparison between foolishness and wickedness about not even knowing your path, not even realizing you're on the wrong path and being fully committed to being a fool or being wicked. And the worst part is, like you said earlier, the wicked affect other people. You begin to hang around with wicked people, you're going to get burned. And isn't that the case when someone comes to you with even just flattery, right? Flattery is deceitful. When someone is hitting on you or flattering you or telling you they like you and all these things, it so quickly gets to your heart. I can remember Mima said, Tim's handy, isn't he? Way back in New York. And that just penetrated deep in. I was felt so good. I still relish it. Guys, remember these things. If someone says something that, that means a lot to them, it can be one word. We don't hear it a lot. But we get it, and especially if a woman comes into a man's life and begins to say things like that. One of the things that got me with Ashley early on was she asked how I was. That doesn't seem like a lot, right? But I could tell she was genuine. And not a lot of people asked me, around the, at least around church of the days, you know, Tim, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? You know, like, and she wasn't like worried about it. She was just genuinely wondering how I was doing. But that meant a lot to me, and that stuck with me. That this person, I didn't think she cared about me, like wanted to marry me, but I was like this person actually cares about me. He's not just saying, "Oh, how's it going?" and having small talk, but a deep thing there. So, imagine something else that might be distracting. It might be pull you off the path. These sweet sayings, these nice things, these offers of gifts. And what's the end of it? Hell. You, you know, you just have to ask somebody who's gone down those paths. It turned their life into living hell. And God's always able to redeem, but it's not the way to go. And she doesn't ponder those paths. He, verse 7, hear my children. Hear me now, therefore, O children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. You know, just run away like Joseph did, right? Potiphar's wife was liking him. And he said, nope, I'm out of here. I don't care. I'm not going anywhere near this lady. Don't go near the door of her house. Why? You start playing around there. You start hanging around in her front yard. Eventually, you'll hang out on the porch. Eventually, you'll go inside. And that just leads to trouble. And the best part is, what he's saying is, lest you give your honor to others, your years to the cruel, strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a stranger isn't that the case with adultery and divorce and alimony and child support you went off and did a thing and now you have to work all day and give your paycheck to support this other person and benefit some other person's life other than other than your kids and your honor goes away there's no more honor in that there's disgrace in that and you mourn at the last, at the very end, like the prodigal son, when your flesh and your body are consumed. The thing that was crying out for affection and attention, your flesh and your body is now consumed. And you got nothing left. And you finally realize and say, what? How I have hated instruction. And my heart despised reproof. My heart despised getting corrected. Hey, don't go to her house. Don't hang out with her. Don't hang out with him. Don't go over there. I'm sure your friend said it. I'm sure your conscience said it. And I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. 
That's the worst. It's one thing to mess up and get something wrong and be made a fool out of it. It is really bad when you knew the right thing to do all the time. When you knew the right way to go and you didn't do it, that's the thing that really bugs you. That's the thing that makes regret for the rest of your life. That so, the largest regret in my life I have, I knew the right thing to do and I didn't do it. And most regrets I have, right? I have not inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And that's the worst part. You could end up in total ruin amidst the people you love, the people you respect, the people that respect you, in your family, in your circle of friends, in your job, in your church. There's nothing worse than that, than feeling the shame and, and, and pain of making a mistake you didn't, you shouldn't have done, and being around the people that you loved and you hurted, and you were looking to you for uh, wisdom, and you played the fool. But I like how he says, I was almost in utter ruin. That for the person who seeks God, who seeks wisdom, that there's always hope. Utter ruin is there's no hope. But I was almost there. But God brought him back. And God can bring you back. And God can restore if you've made foolish decisions no matter what they are. I made lots of foolish decisions in my life. And God is always faithful to restore me, even to this day. Verse 15. Drink drinks, uh, waters out of your own cistern, your own well. Running waters out of your own well, should your foundation be dispersed abroad, fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets. You know, when water's tight, I can't let the kids run, <laughs> run through the, 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 the sprinkler all day, right? Right? The well might run out. Uh, we need water to, to, to do things around the house, as everybody knows. But man, don't waste your life. Don't let your life, don't let your honor, don't let your wisdom, don't let the success you could have had in life just be going down the drain, going down the gutter, and really being given to someone else. Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. There's something to be said about being private about certain things in life, about not talking about everything with everyone, about not posting on social media what your husband said last night, what your best friend did to upset you. Talk to them first. The Bible has a method. Go to the, Pray. Go to that person. If they don't listen, bring another trusted friend. There's orders for these things. Don't put out the secret things. You know, it's just the same thing. You know, you go buy a car. Don't tell them how much money you have because they'll sell you a car for that much and then more. It says, let your fountain be blessed. Who doesn't want clean water coming out of their fountain? Why would you not want to bless it and keep it pure? Rejoice with the wife of your youth. There's something we said about, man, how cool it would have been if Ashley and I could have met when we were younger. The problem is I couldn't have met her any younger because she would have been a child and I still would have been an adult. If I met her when I was 16, she would have been eight. I'd, no. But sincerely, if she was 16 and I was 16 and we met and we were friends, we served the Lord, and then we got married when we were adults, how great would it have been if I never had any other girlfriends beside her in my life? How great would it have been if I could share with her all the memories of, I have memories of other friends growing up that we, and, you know, I can remember, oh, remember we used to go to Easy Video? You know, you never got to go to Easy Video, right? Because we didn't, we didn't have that, right? And, and God still blessed our marriage and given us great things to connect over. But man, how great would it be to rejoice with the wife of your youth? You know, I think about, uh, 
you know, my friend's mom uh, passing and his dad, they were married 59 years and just being on the 59 years of memories, right? They were married young. I mean, I'm not saying get married too young, but get married when God wants you to. And I think a lot of people these days put it off and put it off and put it off. And then they're 40 and they can't find a spouse. Well, you know, just marry younger. That's what I did. I was 30 when I got married. But rejoice with the wife of your youth. Don't forget that you've had all this time with them. Don't forget who they are, where they've come from, and who they've been to you. Let her be as a loving deer and pleasant doe. Let her uh, breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Why should you, my son, be intoxicated by an immoral woman? And that's what an immoral person will do. They'll try and distract you from your wife or your husband. They'll try and give you things that, you know, that, that flame of excitement when you first meet the person that you're with and sometimes you have to get that flame back and someone else will offer you a false flame don't fall for it and embrace the bosom of a seductress for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the lord this is big above it all it's not santa claus who sees what you're doing if you're naughty or nice even if nobody else catches you god sees and do you want to please god are you his child? Do you want to make him happy? And he's happy with you already. He's Jesus. But I think you know where I'm going. Do you want to be separated from him by sin? No. Nothing worse than that. The eyes of the Lord. And, he, and God ponders all his goings. His own iniquities had trapped the wicked himself. Isn't it, you know, it's no one else's fault when the wicked gets caught. It's no one else's fault when the, the, your life falls apart when you did something wicked. Well... You reap what you sow. And he is snared in the cords of his sins. He will die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. I think we'll stop there for tonight. That man, Wisdom is simple. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how to apply it. But wisdom is simple. It's to stay away from wickedness. Seek the things of God. Don't start looking around. You know, that's, again, advertising is about covetousness, right? I've got this fancy phone, but I just saw an ad for a new one. And my fancy phone I was so excited about two months ago. I'm not so excited about it anymore because I just saw the ad for the fancy new thing. Stop looking around. Be satisfied with what you have, especially at home with your spouse, right? There's things in life that can change. God says, I hate divorce. God gave, uh, this is not what I wanted to go anywhere, but I guess I have to go there. That God said that Moses gave the writ of divorce. Because the hardness of your heart. Right? God didn't say, God understands it in certain things. God understands it when there's been that break of the covenant of marriage and you've, you know, gone off with somebody else. God understands that. God understands when it's abandonment. God doesn't hold it against the person who doesn't. But you know what? Even in the midst of that, it's not utter ruin. If there can be repentance, if there can be forgiveness, if the person, if at least one, if not both, is seeking Jesus above all other things, even that most destroyed thing can be repaired. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it has to. And God doesn't condemn those who do it for that. But how often do is it not treated that way? You know, that there's always a better way. Like that we shared the other week. There's always more. Right? That even in the midst of the worst situation possible, Wisdom and grace from heaven would say that there can be restoration. There can be forgiveness. There can be more. Why? Because we have more in Jesus. I don't expect the world to ever get this. 
I don't expect the world to ever be faithful in marriage. I don't expect the world to ever come back and be one after something like that. But we're not the world. We have wisdom. And we have the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And shouldn't we be able to accomplish more because of that? And get further and do more with less, so to speak, than the world does? And that's wisdom. Is doing the most with what you've been given. You don't need a million gifts and talents. You don't need to be Dr. Stanley. You don't need to be, I don't know, whoever it is that you think is the bee's knees. God made you who you are. God gave you gifts and gave made you to be who you who you're to be. Like I talked about my friend, there's only one of him. There's no, there's only one of you too. And God's designed you to be wise in him. Don't have to have an IQ, you don't have to be rich, but you can be wise and go far with that. You know what? God wants to do more with all of us. God wants to to make more of our lives than we could ever think of. And part of that is just even in the basics and practicality just being wise on earth, but also be wise for heaven. We don't know, you know, my friend's mom a couple days ago was fine. A week ago, two weeks ago, a month and a half ago, she was driving around. Today, she's gone. So where will you and I be? We don't know. We don't know. And I don't mean to make it heavy, but at the same time, I say wisdom would say, like the Bible says, teach me, Lord, to number my days. Why? That I might gain a heart of wisdom. When we, went, when we end up on the other side, when we wake up in heaven, do we want to be wise with what we had? Do we want to say, oh, man, I wish I played another round of golf? <laughs> I don't think so. Especially not me. I, I can never drive. I could pitch, but that's about it. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and that, God, you are wise. And the, when we're truly wise, we realize that we don't have anything we could do or bring to you uh, but ourselves. And, God, that's all you want from us is just to be close with you. Um, and, God, help us be close with you. Draw us near and help us pursue you and keep paying attention to where you would have us go and what you would have us do simply, that every day we would just walk, seek to be wiser and wiser in you and be more and more used to your kingdom, not by our flesh, not by our earthly powers or man's wisdom, but, God, by your wisdom, where you take the foolish and you confound the wise. So, God, do that in us. Bring people to know you. May your kingdom grow and be benefited um, on earth, God, through us, uh, but by your spirit. So bless my mom, bless my family, and, God, most of all, um, Come soon, we pray. Bless your word. May it go forth uh, in all our lives. And let us hang on to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until